0: A few weeks ago, we took a little break from our uh, Thin Places study to look at Palm Sunday and then Easter. And that was a great, great Sunday last week. Now we're back to Thin Places and we're back to that same thing we talked about a few weeks ago, which is the thin place of the table. Please remember just very quickly, Luke uses the table more than the other Gospels time after time after time. To show what Jesus is doing to people like you and I. Whatever stage of life we're in, he meets us at the table. And the reason was, in the first century, to eat with someone was to accept them. You accepted them fully, without restrictions. They were now you. You would care for them. You would protect them. They would care and protect you. You were, uh, you were family, and you were in fellowship If you ate with someone, so they were very, very, very careful about who they ate with and where they ate and all of the conditions of it. Do you remember the fights about what you can eat and where that are in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians? And this was a big deal to them. It's easy, so easy for us to lose it. I think the only close thing I can get to it is sometimes songs because it seems music divides churches more than anything else. In our consumer age, if you sing the wrong songs, if you don't sing the right ones, they, people get upset. But that doesn't even come close to how important the table was to these people. So, we looked at Luke. We looked at chapters 5 and 7. Well, there's a lot more in Luke. And we'll look at more today and then more on the 29th. Well, we're going to come and look at a couple other things and come back to it. In chapter 9, there's the feeding of the 5,000. I have told that story here so many times. I find humor in it. I find it just amazing that Jesus would look at all these people and his followers would tell him, you're a minister, your sermons, it's going on too long. Telling God you might want to wrap it up is is a hilarious thing to me. Uh, And then to tell God that he might not notice that the people are getting hungry and some of them are fainting with hunger. Now there's a sermon that went on a bit, you might think. But also, it's because people didn't have much food. And to get food was a hard thing. And so when you got food, it was a precious thing. So they say, we need to let them go. And Jesus says, no, 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 feed them. Let's talk about that. In chapters 5 and 7, as we saw, Jesus was comfortable eating with the sinful woman and with the Pharisees who considered themselves the most pure of all people. He was comfortable with both, and that made both uncomfortable. The, uh, the sinful people that knew they were sinful were uncomfortable that Jesus would hang about with Pharisees, and the Pharisees were very uncomfortable Jesus would hang with these people and eat with them, publicly accepting them. Well, here's the 5,000. What do we do when we go to this place? We immediately look at the miracle. You've heard me say this before, and some of you may be getting it, and some of you may not be, but I want you to hear it again. To me, in these stories, the miracle is the least impressive part. And there's a reason for that, because I don't doubt them. I think he's God. And as God, he can make fish. He did it before. He can make bread. He can multiply stuff. He can make things out of nothing. That doesn't surprise me a bit. What we don't talk about in this parable is he ate with them. They went through no checking of, uh, are you acceptable to eat with? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? How do you treat these people? What manner of life are you living before I accept you fully? Jesus instead ate with them without checking them, he ate with them. And I got, I I just cannot explain how momentous that was to everybody in the group. There's no question in a crowd that size, you're going to have Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, scribes, tax collectors, but you're also going to have drunkards. You're going to have those who consorted with prostitutes, You might even have the prostitutes. You're going to have those that were faithful going to temple, and you're going to find those people that have been holding back on the temple and the sacrifice thing. We go on and on, because if you want to divide people, it's easy to divide people. I've shown people that in a variety of ways. We've talked about a couple of them. I can remember several years ago, I did a youth rally, and I said, who likes this kind of music? Who likes this kind of music? And we separated on that. We, We made them clump in the room on that. And then I started separating them even more. Who likes this versus this? And they got to the point where they were almost on their own. I said, watch this. Because once you start drawing lines, you end up alone. And you can, as David Lipscomb said famously, you can draw a line of fellowship and find you're on the wrong side of the line. This week, it was an interesting week. A man got into the building that... I don't know how he got into the building. One they, of they, well, the doors is open, I guess. And he started questioning Debbie Brown, who's here to take care of the building, about us and our history and about me and the like. And that went on for quite a while. And as she was walking him into the auditorium, trying to move him toward one of us, we all walked in because Lauren and Evan wanted us to preview the the movie that you just saw that um it's so brilliantly done we've cleared room on a shelf for the emmy and the oscars we'll see <laughs> but we all walked in which was a god thing and we saw the man there with debbie and, and he turned and he goes and you are and inter- we all introduced and he started looking up here and didn't approve of some of the things he saw up here and started asking other questions. And then he found out women actually have a voice here. And he got hot in the collar. And he was, you know, oh, I, I, and, and stomped off. We, he stomped, we let him stomp. But then we thought, is, did he actually leave? Or is he haunting now? So we, we, we weren't upset. But he was upset. We were willing to accept him. But he had to check to see if we were acceptable. And we failed. Jesus didn't do that. He said, you're hungry? Let's eat. I'll accept you. We are one. That's the amazing thing. I guarantee you, as they ate, they clumped, because people clump. People with small children tend to clump over here. People who are retired are over here. People who like this hobby, we tend to clump, but Jesus didn't clump. His first instinct was, if they're hungry, let's feed them the closest instinct i uh, closest i can get to this is to have the instinct of looking at someone else and saying if they believe that jesus christ is the son of god they are our family and we are united with them and as soon as you say this there're going to be people like our visitor who i wish no ill to at all in fact i'd love it if you're here, here today and could see the love at work they're going to find some people that are going to go but i yeah i know unity is a good thing but Anytime we talk about unity, if you start thinking of reasons why it cannot or should not happen, your instincts are not the same as Jesus Christ. Because he said, let's eat. He didn't clump. He just ate. And there's no way to explain other than to say this was a thudding event. It would have made hearts and minds spin as Jesus moved about making sure everybody ate. And he ate with all of them for unity is a thin place where we meet with God because we accepted each other. Acceptance is a thin place. All anybody wants is really is to be seen, to be important enough to be seen, to be loved, and to be told they're okay, that they're safe. And Jesus immediately dead soaked rather than running you through an informal catechism or an informal inquisition he just said let's eat now we come to a table story that's been misused a lot a lot time and again let's look at this out of luke chapter 10 as jesus and his disciples were on the way he came to a village where a woman named martha opened her home to him that's nice that's very good she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's very unusual in the first century, but not with Jesus. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. By the way, my, my, mother's, my mother-in-law's name is Martha, she hates this story because <laughs> people, people all are like, Martha, Martha. And she, and, and she's, she's right because people are misusing the story. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary's chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, boy. Ladies have beaten themselves up with this passage throughout history, and when they didn't, men helpfully beat them up over this passage and they got it wrong you look at that passage again Jesus was fine with Martha cooking and getting things ready he was fine with Mary being here he'd soon be eating that food that Martha prepared and not complaining that it was available He would be thanking her for it. And eating with her would would tell the world, he is united with Martha. They are the same people. He only corrected her when she insisted that her sister have the same priorities she did. Before then, it was fine to be separate. But when one insisted that you've got to be me, and you've got to think like me, that's when he corrected them. Let Martha be Martha. Let Mary be Mary. I can remember early in our marriage, my, I found out that my father was asked about that girl that Patrick married, that Cammie, because he hadn't met her. You know, what's she like? And dad's response was, when you go for lunch there, you may just get a sandwich, but it will be perfect, and it will be on a proper plate, and there will be a proper napkin, and you will sit at a table to eat it. That's correct. I, I, when I think of being married, I've, I've gotten several benefits. One, I no longer eat brownies over a sink. No, no. <laughs> I am provided a knife and fork for reasons that still escape me, but it is important that they be there. Uh, I have a dust ruffle on the bed in case we need to ruffle dust. (laughs) We are completely equipped. Uh, We have things in our and they they are perfect, and I am blessed because of it. That's who she is. I'm not that. But I don't ask her to be me, and she doesn't ask me to be her because that's the lesson here we can eat together even though we are very different by the way at the graveside of Lazarus it would be Martha who comes to Jesus first and then goes back to get Mary to tell her she needs to be there old habits die hard we always want other people to think like us and be like us if we're honest we would admit that we think God wants other people to think like we think we, we think he wants us to be, he wants them to be us. It can be brutal when others don't get us. I had a um, great worship leader out in Colorado, uh, Matt Elliott. I'm, I can say his name because Matt doesn't mind me talking about this. Matt is uh, an extrovert all the way on the other end of the scale, way over there. Well, we had done the first christmas eve service this church had ever done they'd not done that before long story short they didn't know they were allowed to and we had just done it and we had brought in some elements of worship which they had not had so preparing the ground for this had been months practicing this for it had been months and then we had a couple of things go wildly off right before we started they don't need to know the backstory here But it all came together. It went lovely. And as people were done, I was sitting on the edge of the stage, which is a bit higher than this one. And I was done. Everybody was gone now. And I was just kind of leaning forward going, I wasn't sure I could get off the stage by Christmas. I was just done. He was bouncing. It was like a ferret on his third cup of espresso. And he was just talk 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 and he was buzzing around just talk, talk and and I, uh, evidently expecting a response which he had no right to expect a response at this point he then started talking about let's all i'm so i'm so jazzed by this let's all go to waffle house that's a freeze that's never come out of my mouth <laughs> and then he started talking about not that waffle house we're going to go to the good waffle house and i I had to stop him at this, at this. And I said, I want you to go and enjoy the waffle, but if you try to make me go, I will shoot you. I will miss Christmas, you will miss Christmas, it will be tragic. We had offices with a connecting door. Mm. I bought, I, I went to a gun range and bought a sign and put it on his side that said, caution, live fire past this point. It didn't work. <laughs> Introverts think everybody else should be introverted. Extroverts think everybody else should be extroverted. And Jesus says, stop it. And he eats with us both. Some people will do great journaling. I've been, let's go to this seminar because if you know how to journal, it'll be great. Some people don't do well journaling. Some people live for prayer and meditation. Others, squirrel. It's hard. It's hard for them. Some people like zip lines. Some people like bungee jumping. I've watched people run, running the bungee jumping thing. They don't look like I should trust their math skills. I'm thinking velocity, elasticity, um, I'm just not sure that Bubba's got this nailed. <laughs> One of the hardest lessons there is to learn is that we are okay wired as we are, and others are okay wired as they are. Just, I often say, this is 4th Avenue. and Isn't it cool to be a part of a church that we can say that? This is 4th Avenue. This is what we do. This is what we're like but we never insist that any other church be like this. It's kind of like when I say, that's so Cammie, or she'll say, that's so Patrick. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. It goes deeper than this, though. We're to accept others and not get into their business and try to correct them. And what you're, listening, what you're hearing now is the death of Facebook because it seems that people want to correct others. We don't have to correct others we can let it go we can be all right when Jesus apostles found some other people casting out demons in Jesus' name they, they came back to Jesus to get a wee pat on the head and an attaboy saying we stopped them we told them you're not allowed to do that Jesus said don't do that if they're not against me they're for me in other words Jesus didn't do an inquisition and say you don't come up to my standard in your worship he said if you're worshiping me that's fine and he accepted them. Wow. And that brings us to a thin place that some Pharisees would have rather not experienced. And that's in Luke 11. And we're not going to read Luke 11 right now. I'm just going to direct you to it because it's, it's a long passage, really, that's really kind of deep. And it's only verses away from the Martha and Mary story. And Luke did these things on purpose. Here at this thin place, Jesus shows up not to accept, but to warn. He shows, he he pronounces a bunch of woes on the Pharisees. Now, let's talk about the Pharisees very briefly. The Pharisees looked upon themselves as the good guys. In the old westerns, they would have been wearing the white hats. And history paints them pretty much as the good guys. Why? Why? because they wanted to follow the law. They felt people had had neglected the Old Testament, their scriptures. They felt they had neglected the temple and they were right. And so they wanted to follow the law and they wanted to reestablish the social order of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. History says they got a lot right, but they got a lot wrong in that they so emphasized what they did the outer, the external, that they left the inside untouched and that they failed to love. They failed to accept others. God is the only one who gets to judge the others. We don't. We sit and eat with them. We assume if they're in our area, that means in your school, the room you're in, that's your work, the room you're in. If you're waiting to get your car serviced, the room you're in. If they're where you are, they are your people, and you are there to love and accept them. You have been placed in that place, not for you, as the song said, not as on-the-stage person, but rather as you're there to bring them to Jesus and accept them as you have been accepted, Romans 15, 7. Accept others as you were Accepted. You might say but, the, but they got these deep flaws. Really? Got a mirror? So do you. And by the way, I'm not going to point them out. I'm just going you're going to have to look at yourself. I will accept you as you have to accept me as a very broken person. I will never forget. I've not I've not always been the cheery kind, sweet loving individual that you see in front of you. There have been times that I have said things that perhaps were not judicious and um, kind. And one of those was, I was visiting a church once, and a lady literally came up to me, looking around, make, almost making a show of that, sidling up to me, and then kind of looking up at me, and she goes, I'm so glad you're here. And I went, okay, thanks. She goes, we have a lot of problem, looks again, with gossip in this church. I'm sorry, but that's a hanging curveball. ball. I got a swing. I leaned back and I said, other than you, who should I watch out for? Oh, that did not go over well. Perhaps I should have found another way to say it. Or said nothing. That's always an option that I just always forget until I get home. (laughs) Oh, oh, there there was another option. Ah, okay. Friends, why do we think we can gossip about others, slander others, attack others, judge others, and that God will love us because we worshiped right on a Sunday morning? Who gave us that idea? Jesus was all about, let's meet at the table and accept. When we work with the Muslims in this area, we go to tables. That's one of the first things, because among them, it's the same. If you eat with us, we can no longer judge you. We have to now accept you. And so whenever we work with faith and culture... Uh, which is the name of uh, the group in Nashville that works with this, it's it's generally around a table. Whenever we went to the mosque to visit them at their worship, they prepared a, ma- a meal for us. We ate the meal as well. Then they came here, if you remember, and what we do? We didn't prepare a meal for them because we didn't know how. It, they, they, they have rules. So we went to Mellow Mushroom where they could have some things made their way. And we stayed and stayed and stayed. And wasn't that a beautiful day? We do this a lot. We don't always bring it up here. Because scripture shows us we don't, we're not in the judging business. We're not in the dividing business. In, a, in chapter 11 of Luke, verses 39 through 41, he pronounces woes on them because he said, you should be cleaning the inside of your own dish Rather than complaining about how dirty the outside of somebody else's dish is, he tells him in verse 42 of chapter 11 that externals are fine and should be continued. So no gnosticism here. You should continue to be righteous outside, but internals cannot be neglected. Then he says, "We we miss this. We don't quite get the point of this. You are like walking on unmarked graves." What in the world does that mean? To a Jew, to walk on a grave made you unclean. And therefore, you were not able to lead another or worship another until you went through cleansing. But what if you walked on a grave that wasn't marked and you didn't know? Technically, you're unclean. And he says, you're walking around on unmarked graves and trying to clean up other people. He's saying, you're unclean and trying to clean another. There's something about a rag. If your rag is dirty, it doesn't work well to clean up something. And he's saying your rag is dirty. Your life is dirty. So don't try to clean another one. And he doesn't do this to them to insult them. He does this to them so that they will quit pointing out other people's dirty rags. It can be hard to watch all of these woes. But we need to. He goes back Again, verse 11, verse 46, he says, You're making rules for others, which are just a burden on them. I love in, in Acts chapter 15 when the elders meet together and their first instinct is, Let's not make this harder than it has to be. Wow. What if all of our government, what if all of our leaders in business said the same thing? We try to enforce our desires, our likes our wishes, and we make laws that protect us when we're afraid, rather than looking out for the other, rather than loving the other. We also have to do this, I'm a little hesitant to do this, but same chapter, verses 47 through 51, he says, you've got to quit making, I'm going to use my own word here, demigods out of your ancestors. Where you look at your ancestors and go, Look at our people, we're from them, we are wonderful because we're from them. He tells them, You've got to admit that your ancestors also killed prophets. Your ancestors also did many terrible things. This is not to, be dis- to denigrate them, rather. This is to be honest about them. We live in a time where people are demanding that statues be pulled down. And you might have one feeling or another about it. I've heard had people say, you're trying to erase history. I, I can understand your point. Can I talk to you from a, a different perspective? In Scotland, or in England, if you've ever been there as well, let's say you go to the, um, the largest city in Scotland is Glasgow. It's not the capital, but it's by far the largest. You go to George Square, which is the center of the government and power in Glasgow. It's a very impressive place. You will see plinths, that's a column, way up high and somebody's up there they were so important they, they they got a statue made to them and almost nobody knows who they are and if you told them the name now people would go okay and there's one who's on a horse that they didn't put him up high enough and all my life and it still continues almost every day somebody manages to put an orange construction cone on his head Government hates that. They've been fighting it since I can remember, and they'll even put guards out there. I think God might be doing it because they're getting past the guards. It's hilarious. Look it up on you know, go, Google, George Square, Glasgow, guy with the cone on his head. It shows up. Maybe we shouldn't be making statues for people. Maybe we should put up monuments to good things that happened. Grace treaties, uniting. Maybe we should do that rather than putting up statues to people. Just a thought. Maybe we shouldn't be putting up... Have you ever looked at a dictatorship on the tally, or perhaps you visited there? What do they have? Huge pictures of dear leader. I think the more pictures you see like that, the more you're in trouble. We need to instead pull back and say, you know something... I'm very proud of my family, and I'm very proud of the good things they did, but they were people, and they were riddled with sin just like I am, and they were not perfect. Jesus says, remember, they weren't perfect, and you aren't perfect. He warns the experts in the law about their practice of rejoicing in their knowledge without A, applying it to their own lives, and B, sharing it with others. We need to share what we have and who we are with others Just as Jesus shared, not thinking, well, they're not not worthy of that. No, no, you don't get to make that call. You share, you eat, you accept. It is all wrapped around immediate acceptance of the other. Jesus had a lot to say to these people, but I want you to notice something about chapter 11. All those woes were done as they ate together. He wasn't saying, you are unacceptable. He's saying, I accept you, but get better. Get better. You can do better. I accept you. You are safe. I'm not going to kick you off the boat of salvation. But Let's get better. Book of Romans keeps saying, when God took you, you were a mess. Don't think you have to be perfect now. Just get better. We can do that. We can get better. We can be better people than we are. Even with all the things the Pharisees had done to disappoint Jesus, he insisted, you're not outside the circle of my love. What would it be like if all Christians rose up and did the same and met people at the thin place of the table? I'm going to ask for the team to come back up because it's going to take them a little while. I'm going to read a scripture to us out of Luke chapter 14 couple sections as we close. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, Luke will always come to the table. He was being carefully watched. Oh, let me tell you, I know what that feels like. Going into the ministry, and yeah, tall people have to raise it. Um, if you're in the ministry, it's a fishbowl. But you know, that's not a bad thing. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back. And so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor. The crippled, the lame, the blind. Notice something he doesn't say? The religiously and socially acceptable. He just said, bring in the people that need to be brought in. They just need a friend. You'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Would you stand, please? There are going to be times that you're going to hear me say it because I love to say it. I'll say this is 4th Avenue. We do it this way because this is 4th Avenue. But I do not want you to assume the inverse, that I am saying those that are not like 4th Avenue are not acceptable because I have no desire to say that. Let us be the place, the people, that we accept the others, even if they do not accept us, that if they throw a rock at us, we will not throw a rock at them. If we feed them and they seem to be ungrateful, we will merely shrug and feed them again because our reward is on the other side of the river, not this side. And we know it. Let this be the place, the thin place of love. Amen, church?